0: This episode of The Big Shut-In is brought to you by Gotham Ed, an educational series by our friends at the Gotham Center for New York City History, a part of CUNY, the City University of New York. Gotham Ed presents a unique slate of online courses about the history of New York City, designed to serve a range of backgrounds and purposes, from those who are generally interested in looking for a compact introduction, to avid history buffs in search of a much deeper dive. The program offers a mixture of private lectures with discussion and more intimate traditional semi-weekly classes, exploring topics large and small, varying in length with multiple days and times to choose from, and conducted on a digital platform year-round, this series can accommodate any schedule. Want to learn more about what made New York, New York? Go to Gothamed. That's G-O-T-H-A-M-E-D dot My name is David, and this is The Big Shut-In. It's Sunday, January 24th, 2021, day 315 since the shut-in began. And today we're going to get another international perspective. I spoke this evening with Janet, who is a native of Los Angeles, but now lives with her husband and children in Hong Kong. And her experience is really interesting because, you know, for those of us who are used to living in cities, it's, we're used to a certain proximity with other humans. But Hong Kong is a place where that, that kind of closeness is just magnified tremendously has some of the most incredibly dense population of anywhere on the planet. And it's a place where people have very tiny apartments and basically live outside and live in restaurants and live in parks and live cheek by jowl and elbow to elbow with each other. And of course, that's the stuff that is particularly dangerous in COVID. And so for a place like that to figure out how to do this has presented some real challenges. And yes, despite some egregious exceptions that we'll hear about, they seem to be doing it a lot better than we are here in the United States where we have a lot more elbow room to spare. So let's hear from Janet. How, how are you? How are you doing?
1: Um, I think that's a very complicated question. I have ups and downs right now, I'm okay. I think there's a line from the home edit, they say, surviving, not thriving. That's, that's I think pretty much sums up how I'm doing. Um, you know, I think it's, it's really just about survival right now. And I feel like it's been like that for a long time. Right now we're doing okay. After I had my son I, and my maternity leave ended, I decided not to go back to work. And it so happened that when I quit, that's when the protest started. And then the protest started and then now COVID has happened. Things aren't great in Hong Kong. Obviously, this is relative from a COVID perspective. Relative to the U.S., I think Hong Kong has done a, a pretty good job of handling the situation. We're having a spike in cases. And for the first time, they've locked down part of Hong Kong. Since COVID started, they, they haven't had to do that. I think it's Yasimong. I believe my Cantonese is terrible, but that area includes a pretty populous area. It's 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 very it's very condensed, and there are a lot of people who live there.
0: That one area is sort of the first lockdown for for COVID.
1: Actually, it's it's where I used to work. I used to work for the UN Refugee Agency here in Hong Kong, and they had an office in Yamate. And so I'm very familiar with the area. There are a lot of immigrants that live there. A lot of our asylum seekers and refugees live there. And so that area of town is a bit more poor. And so people live in tenement houses, like subdivided flats. There's no, there's hardly any separation between families. And so I think there's been outbreaks in a lot of the buildings. It's not great in Hong Kong, but I do feel slightly removed from the situation because I don't live or work there and we're expats and I don't interact with that population anymore. So I feel kind of secluded from it, but at the same time, it's, it's a, you know, it's not that far away from where we are. So Anyways.
0: that, that surprises me though, that you haven't had to have a lockdown.
1: until yeah. now. Well, I don't know the details of the lockdown, but it's the first time that they've had to lock down any part of Hong Kong since COVID started. So. I mean it kind of shows you the seriousness of of the outbreak there. It
0: strikes me it's a different kind of challenge, right? For a tiny little place, geographically tiny, like yeah. Hong Kong that can kind of barricade itself and kind of throw you know, pull up the drawbridges and you know, we're as yeah. opposed to like the United States as a continent, you know, like trying to I mean it's you can't
1: I I think what boggles my mind is that you know, Hong Kong is very densely populated. There's a lot of unique challenges to locking down in Hong Kong. I mean, people live in teeny, tiny apartments. I can see how difficult it can be. Give me give me a sense of your
0: your living situation, sort of where you live and the size of your family. How big is your place? Like, you know.
1: I live in mid-levels, which is like, which is, in the center of Hong Kong. I'm very fortunate to to live here. And I live here with my family, my husband and my, my two kids. Hong Kong is a very unique place for a lot of different reasons, but one of the things, one of the benefits of living in Hong Kong while with young children is that you can have affordable childcare. And I'm also very lucky to have two helpers. And because of that, I think there aren't like daycare in Hong Kong we have a relatively larger flat, I think than the average Hong Konger. so I'm very fortunate. So we moved out to Hong Kong for my husband's work and they sent us out here for a home finding trip. And you know, this real estate agent showed us around flats, different flats. And it was so small. And I asked her like, "Do you, does like regular size furniture fit in these flats? And she said, no, we have Hong Kong-sized furniture. And then she told me, Hong Kong people are small so that they can live in Hong Kong-sized flats. The apartments are tiny and there are people who live in places where there are no kitchens. It was actually really sad. They tried to close restaurants, I think during the last wave. They tried to prevent dining in, but there were like a lot of um, like construction workers and all these people whose their only break is during lunchtime. And it's to go to these restaurants. and It's the only hour they get air conditioning. And it's really hot and, and humid in the summer. So all these poor street workers or construction workers had to sit on the street and eat their lunch. And they had to reverse the measure. And after a couple of days, because people were people were really suffering. So I think Hong Kong has some unique challenges. But in the US, you have Face. I mean, people have cars like in L.A. I just don't understand like why it's so bad, because you can isolate in your house and you have a car. You don't have to interact with people. But, you know, the vast majority of people here live in in large apartment buildings with that are cramped. And it's just I just I can't I don't understand.
0: There are many things I don't understand about the <laughs> world right now. I the list is long. I mean, tell me about sort of, give me a better sense of the changes that have happened to your, in your life lately, you know, and how, how the routine is different with you and with your kids and with your husband and with work and all these things, you know, with the way things had been last year and the way they are now.
1: So my family had decided to move about two years ago in March, and we're very lucky to have done so because in June of that year... The protest started in Hong Kong, and so we were under basically under lockdown. Then, I mean, they didn't have to lock us down, but no one went anywhere because the week on the weekends there were protests everywhere, and we actually got stuck in one on like inadvertently. We had gone out to eat with my family, and uh, we were pulling out, and there were protesters all over the streets, and this is like in the middle of. Of Hong Kong, like in central. When was
0: this? What are we talking about?
1: I want to say it was like June, June or July. It might have been July of um, twenty
0: 2019.
1: yeah, twenty nineteen. Okay. Yeah, and that was a really tense time because um, I just remember my daughter was at school and I didn't want her taking the bus because I didn't want her to be stuck on the bus for hours because if they're blocking the streets the kids could very well be stuck on buses and there were actually a couple situations where i think the protesters attacked buses school buses and actually my daughter's like preschool nursery that she had gone to one of their buses were was attacked by some protesters so you know i was really nervous about putting her on the bus and it was just a very tense time and we you know we didn't go out on weekends because we didn't know where the next protest would be because they were very organized they had like Secret channels by which they communicated to organize these protests. There were there were a lot of texts going around telling people, oh, avoid these areas. But still, it was so. I was. I feel like I've been under lockdown since June of 2019 because right after that, that like I think things started getting better around December 2019. Then in January is when COVID hit Hong Kong. So. Well,
0: so the lockdowns from the the political protests lasted for six months. You're saying. Yeah, yeah
1: definitely yeah at least six months i think COVID is what stopped stopped the political protest i mean that and the national security law
0: <laughs> wow and i don't want to if we need to tiptoe here but it,
1: it, yeah. um very carefully
0: there's a lot of talk here about and i know hong kong is china but it's not really china but it is and and china a very big place but the fact that the you know famously originated you know this is originally the first outbreak in the world was was in China, yeah? And yeah. there's a been a lot of politicization of that here, which is gross. But yep. that um, I'm surprised that you're not, that your waves are sort of tracking month to month with ours here, that you're not three months ahead or four months ahead.
1: Yeah, you know I me? mean, That
0: surprises me a little.
1: So let me back up. Things first started in Hong Kong around January of last year. So about a year ago, I think we had- maybe heard about the first cases. It was right. And Chinese new year last year was at the end of January. And I specifically remember we had gone to birthday parties in the middle of January, and then it was Chinese new year. And during Chinese new year, they said there's, you know, that at the time it wasn't named, it didn't have a name, but at the time, so COVID had come to Hong Kong through travelers or whomever. And They shut things down, certain things uh, like I think, well, businesses and everything was they were already schools were already closed because of Chinese New Year. So people stayed home anyways. Um, But then as Chinese New Year was ending, they said that schools weren't going to reopen and government workers were told to work from home. And they said employers should encourage as much as possible their employees to work from home if they can So they never had, so they didn't lock things down. The numbers didn't explode too much. I mean, it was really about um, stopping inbound travelers from coming in. And I think they didn't want to stop Chinese mainlanders or people who regularly travel from coming back. So no one knew anything really about how it spread and anything. So most people I know just, we just all stayed home, only went out to go to the grocery store, but they got things under control pretty quickly, but we didn't know how bad it would get. And because schools were closed, I think they said until March or something, I went to the U.S. with my family. And so we fled to the U.S. And I went to California with and stayed with my parents. I, I got there like beginning of February, but by the middle of March, it started getting really bad in the U.S. And so we fled back. And that's when a lot of people around the world who had fled Hong Kong returned to Hong Kong, yep. Yeah. The second wave was when a bunch of expats were returning from abroad because COVID had spread worldwide by that point. I think in March, they closed the borders and, or you know, people without residency from coming in. And I think that was an important thing that Hong Kong did. We had to quarantine at the time. We had to quarantine at home for 14 days. We had a wristband. And they tracked you through an app on your phone and you had to yeah you had to obviously because you would
0: come from from the united states
1: yes because we came from the united states
0: is that where you're from california originally
1: i am yeah i'm from la originally born and raised um but i'm but i'm korean american and we were kind of lucky because uh, right after we returned they implemented even stricter quarantine measures and rules now people are subjected to 21 day quarantines. There are like travel bans from the UK, South Africa, Ireland. I mean, pretty much the only way to get, get to Hong Kong is through Dubai. So there, and like a lot of people, we a lot of people from Hong Kong went to the UK for Christmas and basically got stuck there because of the new variant and then they implemented these new measures. And so people are trying to get back to Hong Kong via Dubai, but there's a three week quarantine there. And then you have to come, if you come here, you have to do a three week quarantine and you can't do it at home anymore. You have oh, to wow. do, you have to do it in a hotel. So obviously it's it's cost prohibitive as well. Um, so it
0: five weeks of quarantine to six. come back in. Oh, wow. It's
1: three weeks there and then three weeks here. And yeah, six weeks of your life. And the thing is that, yeah, you have to stay at a government sanctioned hotel. So, I mean, they're, they're pretty strict, but even with all these measures, I mean, there's still COVID and they haven't been able to eliminate it completely. Whereas like my, like my husband's from Taiwan, Taiwan has even been stricter. They actually didn't, they, they didn't have a case for like, I don't know, like 300 days or something like that. I don't think it was ever completely eliminated from Hong Kong. It was actually the expats who had left that all brought it back. There hadn't really been community transmission here, like not not widespread community transmission. But the third wave there was. And I think that was also And that would have uh,
0: been when? That would have been Number.
1: Like... That was I wanna say July, August. July I went around that time. It was okay. it was like summertime but it's it's what's also interesting is i feel like these outbreaks are largely in like certain like geographic locations in in certain populations and i'm not exactly sure what caused that wave but and then this wave i think it was sparked by the dance parties which is unbelievable
0: what dance parties what's that about
1: Basically, there's a segment of the population in Hong Kong that's very well off, extremely, extremely well off. And these older, very wealthy ladies um, engage in these dance competitions, I suppose, where they hire these younger male dance instructors who are highly coveted they fly them in they like bring them over by you know boat or i'm not exactly sure but they bring them in they from outside of hong kong this is normally um, in normal times and then they dance i think some are a little bit more salacious than others i think some are like purely you know dance. And some are more. And um, anyways, I guess these like older women were having these dance parties without masks indoors in large groups and eating. And as a result, there's a dance cluster of, I don't know, I want to say it was like, it was hundreds, hundreds of people because these women had to dance.
0: That's bananas.
1: And unfortunately- There were some even in the building that I live in. And during this time, there were seven cases in my building and I couldn't even really leave my flat. So Hong Kong also doesn't, it's really interesting. Whenever there are COVID cases, they publish the building in which, in like where these people live and where they've gone and where they like buildings that these people have been to. So it's all published. So you can look it up. Yeah, there are, people are not as concerned with privacy as they, like, if it's for the greater good, they'll, you know, jump on your privacy rights. So our building was on this list for weeks. And that also meant that I couldn't go to certain places, which was difficult. We had, I think, seven cases, cases in our building. And I mean, that's when I felt really, I think, trapped because- I felt like I couldn't even go leave leave my building. I couldn't. I didn't want to go for a walk. I didn't want to go downstairs. I didn't want to get in an elevator. So it was really difficult.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, th- but so I mean then just practically like how have you guys been dealing? I mean if you're stuck in you know, it sounds like even your larger apartment is not a palatial. Um it being right. with You know, the four of you and I guess six of you stuck in there most of the day. How how is that? How does that go?
1: You know? I'm so I'm an I tend to be a homebody and an introvert. So I I don't mind being home, but for my kids, obviously, it's an issue. How old are your kids? So my son is now a little over two and my daughter is six. She'll be seven in May. Okay. So my, so my son was very little when all of this started, my daughter got to start like play groups and, you know, like music classes and all these fun things from the time she was a baby. My son hasn't been able to do anything. It's really sad actually. So uh, he was supposed to do certain things and everything all canceled. He went to one trial class and then COVID hit and he couldn't go to, so he hasn't been really been able to go to school. And then I think around like September, October, after the third wave in Hong Kong, I was like, oh, things seem a little bit better. I mean, I waited for a bit. And then I think my son went to like two or three classes before they shut down schools again because of the fourth wave, which we're currently still experiencing. So, I mean, like my, I mean, my poor kids, uh, I feel the, I feel the worst for them. My daughter has been doing home learning since January of last year. So for a year, and um, I know my daughter's school has done an amazing job trying to get these kids back in school like pushing them to let them go back even if it's you know half days and so because they were able to do that successfully my daughter is able to go to school every other day um <laughs> But, you know, they have rules like they can't eat lunch at school. So instead they have two snack times and all, I think it's outdoors. They sit on um, balconies and, you know, the school has done a really good job. I feel so bad for schools and administrators because I don't know how much things have changed in the U.S. But I mean, things things have changed a lot. I mean, they've the schools have evolved, have had to change their plans so many times. Yeah, it's um, the same here. don't know how these administrators and teachers do it. They're, they're amazing. Well, paint a picture for me
0: of kind of the street life of, of, you know, when you leave your apartment, you're going to the store, you're, you know, how, how is the, the scene in the, um, in, in the streets and, you know, walking around the city different now than it usually would be?
1: So I think that there's a, uh, there are fewer people and there's less traffic, but that said i think when this first started the streets were empty people weren't out i mean people really eh, i'm really grateful i live in a place where people abide by masks and obviously there are mask ordinances in place and like you have to wear masks indoors but now i mean i think to be honest i think people are just kind of done with staying home people are over it you know i think people are in parks even and you know with their kids out and everyone is masked up but you know i think more people are out now than than previously i think with each wave more people have become a little bit more relaxed
0: let me ask you this as an american living there and looking back here at everything that's been going on here in the states what are the differences you notice in attitude mentality logistics, whatever, be- between how Hong Kong is handling the virus and how the U.S. is doing it?
1: Okay, I'm going to say something that might be controversial. I think that there is a mentality out in Asia of doing what is best for the greater good. There is a strong sense of that here. And if even prior to COVID, if someone was sick, they would wear a mask because they don't want to get someone else sick. Um it was protecting other people from you, and right. there's a large, there's a big sense of that. And but I think in the U.S., people are more concerned with their individual rights. They're more concerned with, well, I, I, I care more about my right to breathe. But people are more concerned with their with their own individual rights and here people care about their neighbor and don't want to yeah. don't want their neighbor sick.
0: But so what is, I mean, what have you been thinking and feeling and seeing with all of this, you know, with the
1: heartbroken, I'm completely heartbroken by seeing what's, what's going on in the U S in terms of COVID and, and other things, but uh, it's just, this is
0: a safe space. You can, you can, (laughs) you can convince about anything you're feeling, honestly,
1: I'm utterly heartbroken. I just feel like. The U.S. could have just done things so much better. It really didn't have to be this way. And the fact that even now you, you know, you're not you were not forced to go under mandatory quarantine upon arrival from the U.S. is just mind boggling. There's just no way they can control this pandemic if they don't implement simple measures like quarantining upon arrival. I don't understand how that that's not happening. When I went to the U.S. back in March, you know, they were like, oh, they saw that I was from Hong Kong. They're like, have you been to China? I was like, no. They're like, go on through, you know. it's It was just, there was no, and at this point, they should have known. They had time. The U.S. had time to prevent it from getting to the point that it did or that it has. Like, my parents are stuck at home. They don't do anything. They have friends who have passed away and there have been drive-by funerals. You know, there is a backlog in funerals. So can't even have funerals. And it's just really sad. And I know, so like my, there have been outbreaks at um, a bunch of, I think, Korean nursing homes in LA. I've had several friends who've had grandparents pass away and can't visit them. You can't see them. You can't. You know, you can't go to their funeral. It's it's heartbreaking. It really shouldn't have gotten to this point. If I didn't think that the U.S. could have done better, you know, that's one thing. But all, I mean, this is the United States of America. It it could have done better, and it didn't. It failed. It failed everyone. And it's just it's so disappointing. And um, I I just I I it gets so upset when I think about it. Um and as i'm sure other people do i also think people are just over it and done they maybe they just don't care anymore i mean we have friends who don't have kids and who are young and are out and about in the us and they they're just like if i get covid i get covid and i don't i don't understand that mentality i mean it it i don't i, I just i don't understand
0: it what do you see for yourself there your life there looking forward the next few months Are you feeling hopeful um when do you see things do you, if, if you were to try and project when you think things might return to something that looks more like normal
1: i think i'm generally a pessimistic person <laughs> i think i've learned that recently <laughs> i don't think i i personally don't think that things will be better for at least at least another year at least at the very least i think i mean i was talking about it with some friends and i i think that I mean, we're probably not going to be eligible to get the vaccine until maybe summertime. And the, our kids, we still don't have any data there on how the vaccine affects impacts children. So, I just don't know how without children also being vaccinated, life returns to normal like complete completely normal. But that said, I, again, like Hong Kong hasn't been under full lockdown ever and businesses have, for the most part, been open. I think my life is probably a little bit more normal here than it is it would be in the US. Because I don't have to worry about rampant community transmission. If that makes any sense, like, I can go to certain places and feel relatively safe that the people I interact with will likely not have COVID because it's just not that widespread i mean we're talking we're talking like 70 cases a day right now
0: geez what is it in la it's in it's in the hundreds it? thousands isn't it in I los angeles, angeles county it's, it's a, a lot
1: thousand. it's really bad um yeah. so yeah i mean i think if you relatively speaking i mean it bad was 100 plus cases 130 cases that that was that's considered bad in hong kong I mean, I have friends who, who are getting together with friends regularly, but I think because they feel that it's not in their community of expats or, you know, or otherwise. So they, they feel like it's okay.
0: Looking, looking forward, not looking forward, but, you know, looking ahead toward that, the next six, eight, 10, who knows months. Yeah. what are you worried about? What do you, I mean, what are your what do you think about like <sighs> with your kids and your job? And I mean, what are you going to do to keep yourself, uh, keep them going?
1: Well, I mean, I think the things the thing I worry about is you know, vaccinating my kids. I don't know if it's safe yet, and I worry about I worry about whether or not my son's like you know, learning has been impeded by all of this is he gonna have like suffer from long-term effects from like not going to school and interacting with other children I mean my my poor son has hasn't like he hasn't really interacted with other kids very much I worry about my even my daughter whether or not all of this has impacted her so for better or worse I I mean I'm I'm glad that I was able to be home during all of this so that i could be there for my kids. And they've obviously, I think needed me during this time. So I'm grateful that I've had that time. But, you know, it's, I also want to work. I it's impacted the job market here. And uh, it like, I, it's, I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to go back to work. My husband has a very demanding job. So, you know, as much as he wants to, you know, do things for the kids, I mean, he can't, he can't be a full-time like, mom and do his job. It's just he can't.
0: I mean, you said, you said that you're an introvert and a homebody and you chose to be with your kids, yeah. but you must feel a little cooped up and bored at this point.
1: I think I would feel... Frankly, I think I'd feel more cooped up if I was in the U.S. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't because maybe I'd live in a house and I'd have a backyard. You know, I think... I think the hardest thing is is not having space for my kids to run around and play. Um but I, I do, I mean, I do feel I do feel cooped up. I do feel I, I do feel this longing for normalcy in life. I long for just like the simple things. Just the simple things, just being able to go out and eat at a restaurant with my family. I mean their restaurants are open until 6 p.m. if you're in groups of 2. But do I feel safe eating inside a restaurant? No way. Um, cuz it so at it's
0: 6:01, that's when covid I mean, happens. Like that's it I mean, makes so the, the the curfew thing doesn't make any sense to me like, you know, you have to close here it's 10, like think for what when now they're closed again but you know.
1: Yeah, no, I mean so while I do think that relatively speaking Hong Kong has done a great job like, you know, there are certain things that just don't make sense.
0: Well, I I you've been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all this with me. Do you have any no, last
1: no, no. any I, last
0: thoughts, any anything else you want to
1: I don't think covid's been easy for anyone. You know, even if it's been relatively not as bad, but that doesn't mean it has it's been any any easier at all. The conditions under which people live here, people live in tiny, tiny I mean, you wouldn't believe how small the homes are in Hong Kong. Life is hard for a lot of people and it's COVID just makes it so much harder. Life is just really hard for people. So I don't know. I just hope this is all over soon. I just, it just, it seems like too much for people to bear for so long. I just, I don't know. I think we're all going to need therapy after. I definitely
0: This has been The Big Shut-In. My name is David Hoffman, and I produce and story edit the show, along with Tanya Mohammed. Post-production by Garrett Tiedemann. Publication and promotion by Kelsey Kors. It's a production of Race Car Radio, racecarradio.com. If you have a story you think would be a good fit for the show, please do reach out. The Big Shut-In at racecarradio.com.